Welcome everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast at Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere you can find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Feel free to connect with us on social media at LonghornPod. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week, like I am every week, and I'm joined by my good friend and the true host of this podcast, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Oh, man, I'm doing fantastic. Uh, it was nice having uh, having a break from you. I'm kidding. No, it's it's the highlight of my week, uh, or highlights of my week, Gerald, is doing this podcast with you. It was weird to only do one last week, and that one did not have you in it. Thanks to Johnny Bashir coming on and doing a great job with the Lance Armstrong doc. Hopefully you folks saw part two. Maybe we'll give a little um, summation of that, but... Uh, um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's weird. It's good to see your face, Gerald, hear your voice. Uh, you know, just, just in this world and times of uncertainties all around us, you are my constant. It is good to have you back, friend. Your wife doesn't listen to this podcast, right? That's, that's absolutely right. We're going to edit that and say, you and my wife are my constants. No, I'm going to send, <laughs> I'm going to send her just the excerpt of that audio, uh, just so she knows really how things uh, things stack up. No, we're, uh, yeah, things are, things are crazy. We'll talk about that, um, a little bit later, but it's a special time of year, Kyle. It's a special time of year where optimistically fingers crossed yeah. 95 days from football. So we'll have, um, our USF friends on to help us kick off <laughs> our, uh, 2020 season preview. Uh, we'll down the 40. We'll talk about this. There's, there's again, news is starting to pick back up. So we'll down the 40 and then we will, uh, bang the drum at the end of the show. Like we always do. So we are 95 days away from what could potentially be kickoff of football season. Jerry's still a little bit out on that, but we're going to play it hopeful as we have been for the last few weeks. And so it's, Time to start our uh, 2020 season previews, which this is one of my favorite things we do all year. So we will go week by week through Texas's schedule, and we're going to reach out to somebody who actually knows the team. Kyle and I have gone on record saying that we really aren't experts in a whole lot, so we want to get the actual experts to come on and talk about the teams that they cover. And so to kick off the season, if you don't know this, the Texas Longhorns uh, will take on the USF Bulls to kick off their uh, 2020 season and so we reached out to our friends over at the daily stampede and we have nathan bond uh the managing editor of that site with us today nathan how are you doing today brother you know i'm doing well i appreciate you guys having me on and uh man i really hope i live up to the expert billing that you've uh, <laughs> you've claimed to that i have so here's the thing is one of the reasons why i cue that up is because you already know more than us about USF simply by knowing anything about USF. So right. that places you as the expert. That's fair. Uh, I will take it. Of the three of us chatting right now, I'm definitely the expert at USF football. That's fine. <laughs> and as we establish many weeks, everything that happens in, in the world really revolves around this this podcast. Uh, so we narrowly missed a Charlie Strong reunion 
tour. Um, USF is under new leadership uh, with Jeff Scott. But what I want to do really quickly is look back uh, maybe to a painful time in your past. Like just what went wrong with Charlie Strong at USF? Because we know what went wrong with Charlie at Texas, but we're curious to see uh, what happened at his last landing spot. Oh, man. Um, I mean, what what didn't go wrong uh, for Charlie Strong? (laughs) Uh, as you guys know, he brought uh, Sterling Gilbert, his offense coordinator's final year at Texas. We brought in to save his job at Texas. Um, spoiler alert, that did not help or work. <laughs> and basically the same thing happened at USF. Uh, you know, USF got Charlie and his staff on a sweetheart deal, thanks to, in large part to uh, Texas basically paying for the first two years of the contract. So what happens is you get a lot of the same Texas guys who failed at Texas. Charlie Williams, wide receivers coach, uh, Justin uh, Burke, um, Matt Maddox, Sterling Gilbert, who is the bane of my existence. Um, I put him up there as, uh, you know, Voldemort and, and some others of just guys who were terrible for the program, along with like Skip Holtz, like just bad news. Um but it was – you have Quentin Flowers 2017, you go 10-2, and two, which is great. Uh, but the entire season, you're trying to fit Quentin Flowers, who is this otherworldly athlete, into Sterling Gilbert's throw the ball deep, run hitches, pound the ball up the middle, no, not free-flowing, not the kind of offense that USF had in 2015-2016 under Willie Taggart. They didn't work out. The players hated Sterling Gilbert. Uh, multiple players were jumping into our DMs telling us how bad it was. And uh, it never really got better. Um, last year, I really thought, um, in the 2019 season, I really thought going into the year, okay, they've got a new offensive coordinator, Kerwin um, Bell. It's going to change. Things are going to be a lot different. The defense should be better than it was in 2018. And... It just fell flat. Quarterbacks were uh, abysmal, and it, it just really never got better. And um, you know, Charlie Strong said to me in 2018, after losing two straight uh, once to Houston and then getting embarrassed uh, to Tulane, um, weren't we seven and L? And that was kind of the rallying cry uh, around the entire program. Uh, if you don't know or remember, USF started seven and L that year and then dropped their final six games. And uh, we were shouting from the rooftops, this is not real. This 7-0 is the fakest 7-0 you'll ever see. And it just week after week it started to prove. And uh, here we are with the new head coach and Charlie Strong's uh, Alabama's uh, analyst. That's that's right. The uh, the rehabilitation program uh, under Nick Saban. I was actually thinking about. It. I don't know if you have any insider knowledge. The uh, where his next stops could be because obviously he is committed to only using the uh, index uh, and pinky finger hand signs. So obviously UT USF. Um, I think um, you know obviously the NWO is Wolfpack. I think North Dakota State uh, does the does the hookem could be a next uh, head coaching job there. Um, I'm, I'm not sure. I really have to finish researching who else does, does the NC, it, it, NC state's pretty close. It's like, yeah, it's like that. Uh, right. I'm showing you on the screen. It's, it's like a, they're the worst fan base. Um, outside, <laughs> outside of that middle school in Lubbock, man, they're, they're the, a terrible fan base. You're now officially a member of this podcast. Taking a shot <laughs> at Texas tech. Welcome to the show. Uh, third host. We've always wanted this. 
<laughs> no, that's that's beautiful. You're right. So, all right. So, Charlie Strong is the baseline. We understand. We've each had kind of the post Charlie years. Um, coming in to replace him is is Jeff Scott. You know, the former Clemson offensive coordinator. Really, um, I want to say hotly sought after coordinator. It was very uh, a lot of people were watching to see where he would take his his head coaching um, job first. So, what are the expectations? I guess as you change uh, with Jeff Scott coming in, um, and, and I mean, what are, what are you looking for right off the board? Uh, discipline. I think that that was sorely lacking uh, under Charlie Strong. Uh, not off the field. Off the field, they were uh, great kids. Um, but on the field, a lot of pre-snap penalties, just stupid mistakes that just never seemed to get corrected. Um, pump, pump blocking was terrible. Um, 2018, I think they had like seven kicks blocked. It was... It, it just never really got better. Um, they now have a dedicated special teams coach, who I think will, is going to really, really help. Uh, but I mean, this team, there's not, there's not enough talent to say that this team is going to get to a bowl this year. Um, they could finish with the same exact record as 2019, and I could feel so much better. Uh, just improve, improve year one. This is, um, you know, what we've dubbed maybe a year minus one for Jeff Scott, just to get things back on the, uh, you know, on the right foot, and especially, you know, due to COVID-19, not having spring practice, not having summer workouts. It, it's tough to put much, uh, you know, expectations or, you know, many expectations on this team, um, just given everything that's been going on uh, in the world. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fan bases are really struggling with like, I don't know what this team's going to be in the fall because we didn't have spring practice. Texas replaced literally what 90% of its coaching staff. So we don't, we don't really have a good sense of it either. Cause we didn't have uh spring practice, but we do know players that will be back. It looks like USF is returning what like eight starters offensively, um, including a, a guy that I like to watch occasionally. Um, he had some, he had some highlight plays, but he also had some low light plays. That's fine. Uh, is Richard freshman, Jordan McLeod. So, how do you anticipate, you know, a hometown guy uh, progressing from year one to year two? Um, I guess technically year two, to year three, but whatever, it's fine. Um, and he's got an offensive-minded head coach. Like, how do you and what do you hope for and anticipate from uh, kind of the young signal caller? You know, uh, going into spring, uh, USF brought in uh, UNC transfer Kate Fortin. Uh, they brought in Alcorn State quarterback Noah Johnson. They brought, they signed two quarterbacks. Um, the quarterback position is a position of need. Um, I don't know if Jordan McLeod's the the odds-on favorite to retain the position. Uh, you know, he he was hurt last year, and it showed. They tried to hide it. He tried to play through it, and um, you know, Blake Barnett got hurt, so he went down. And it was only Blake and Jordan. Those were the your two scholarship options. And we had to throw out a walk-on quarterback who's now, I think, at Montana, um, who got a scholarship at Montana. Uh, it, it was bad. The quarterback position was terrible. I don't think they really grasped the, the Kerwin Bell style of offense. So it was a more pro style offense. We, you know, get the ball out quick, RPOs, stuff like that. It just never really clicked for them. Um, you know, I think, I think because there's been no spring practice or summer practice, him already being in the building, has already put him maybe a step ahead of, you know, Cade Fortin who got there in January, but he, you know, he wasn't, he hasn't been playing off much. He played like four games before Sam Howell took over. And uh, 
I think Jordan still has that step ahead because he, he's fresher. He's, he's healthy. Um, you know, if, if you guys have been watching the news, he's, he, him and his brother, Ray Ray McLeod, uh, and a bunch of NFL guys from the Tampa Bay area, um, after the protest, uh, this past weekend went and helped clean up the area around USF, uh, USF's, um, the mall right next to USF got torched, looted, um, with, you know, getting set on fire and they went out and helped the next day. Um, Isaiah Rogers plays with the Colts, uh, a lot of good Tampa Bay, Bay area guys. And that's the kind of person you get with Jordan McLeod. He's a good, he's just a good kid, good family. And I think that may help him in the future to show that he is capable of being a leader uh, for this team in 2020. Well, and, and the quarterback is, is obviously important. We've seen that. Uh, Texas, we've ebbed and flowed with our quarterback. But you're only as good uh, at that position as who you have to get the ball to. So uh, the offense is losing leading receiver uh, tight end Mitchell Wilcox. Uh, but you do bring back Randall St. Felix, Bryce Miller, and Eddie McDoom, which is one of my favorite names in college football. Uh, how do you expect the, uh, the the new group to gel kind of in the new offense? Uh, I think they'll be all right. I think with the proper coaching, again, um, Charlie Williams, uh, if, and you guys you guys know, Charlie Williams was not a good coach. Uh, Tampa Bay Bucks fans of the late 90s know because Charlie Williams was a wide receivers coach with uh, Reedell Anthony and Jacquez Green in the, the late 90s for the Bucks, and they were still bad then, so I don't know what really changed in 10 years. Um, but, you know, getting proper coaching in there is going to be huge. Uh, Xavier Dye uh, came, from, came over from Clemson. Um, he's a Jeff Scott guy. He got coached by Jeff Scott. He knows exactly what Jeff Scott wants in wide receivers. And Jeff Scott is – the pinnacle of wide receiver coaches, uh, you know, Justin Ross, I mean, Sammy Watkins, the, the list goes on and on. Um, Randall St. Felix, I think is due for a big year. He showed flashes as a redshirt freshman last year, took a step back, just couldn't hold on to the ball. Um, Eddie McDoom had, I think Jordan McLeod and Eddie McDoom must have hated each other or something because Eddie McDoom was open like four or five times this past season for just wide open touchdowns that were just, the throws were just, off short, just long. It was uh, it was an interesting uh, thing um, to see. The, the guy that people should really watch out for is Latrell Williams. He's a Tennessee transfer. He had to sit out last year. He tried. He applied for a waiver, couldn't get it. The dude's a legit four three forty guy. Um, the the one day that USF had at spring practice, Jeff Scott mentioned him by name as one of the guys who stood out. I think he's going to be a difference maker in the slot. And Bryce Miller was a walk on. He's great. Um, you know, p- good possession receiver, pretty quick, uh, gets in and out of his cuts really well. Uh, there's talent there. Uh, just maybe not this year. The perpetual turnover of the coaching staff feels like a, uh, a common thread. We're going to have to just pull on for both fan bases for uh, hopefully not too much longer, but that's totally fine. So on the defensive side, we'll flip the script a little bit. Um, the defense returns a ton of talent as well. Seven starters coming back, uh, lose two of their top three tacklers though. So like, what do you expect? What are you anticipating from this defense? Who's going to, who's going to lead the charge? Who's going to pick up the production? And do you expect them to be a little more balanced than they were a year ago? Um, you know, the, the strength of this defense this year is going to be the, the secondary. They're the most talented. They have the most experience. I believe the defensive line is returning three sacks from all of last year. Uh, their best defensive lineman may have been, is Blake green. I would, I would, 
guess. I think that may be the general consensus. And he was a walk-on. Um, he, he got a scholarship, I believe, right before the uh, season finale against UCF. It's, you know, that's where we're, where we're at. We've got two great corners. Uh, KJ Sales, a UNC transfer, who was phenomenal last year. Mike Hampton is a local product. Uh, those two out on the outside are pretty locked down, and, and uh, I think they led the, the conference in interceptions. They were top five, I think, in the nation in interceptions. They were really, really good at ball hawking. Being able to, stri- being able to strip the ball uh, and force those turnovers were, were really key for the Bulls. It, it didn't result in a lot of points um, due to offensive uh, ineptitude, but they, they turned the ball over quite a bit. They a lot of pass defended, um, but the, the secondary is going to be the strength. And then we've got to figure out the front four. Um, they're going to try like a modified three, four kind of like defensive coordinator. Glenn Spencer calls it a 30 float defense. Um, three down linemen for sure. And then just every, every other player is kind of up for grabs. I'm excited to see what that kind of defense looks like. Um, there's athletes, but we'll see if it if it really works here. And, and Gerald kind of alluded to it. And you, <clears throat> you talked about it a bit on the defensive line issues, but I mean, if you just look at the stats, um, as we were doing a quick kind of review, uh, being number one in the conference against the pass and number eleven uh, against the run. I mean, it, it, does the new scheme you're talking about that new defense like aim to eliminate that, give it balance, or I mean, is it is it just a personnel issue? It's going to take a couple years. Basically, tell our coaches how they should attack your defense to uh, to get success. <laughs> right. Um, you know, it's, it's, I think they're just going to try to get as many of their best, just get their best 11 out there and see what they can do. Um, there's talent along the defensive line, not a lot of experience. Um, you know, as I mentioned, three sacks returning along the defensive line. The secondary, I think, is going to create a lot of pressure. The linebackers have shown uh, some flashes of brilliance. Dwayne Boyles, uh, Antonio Greer have been great. Um, they got, uh, a linebacker from Michigan who hasn't technically been announced um, as a grad transfer. He's, he kind of fits in more of a, a Mike, your sturdy, you know, 6'2", 240 pound linebacker. Um, what they, they, they've lacked that. They've lacked good size um, at the linebacker position. And you know, this, the, there's a lot of teams in this conference that like to run the ball to set up the throw. UCF is one of them and they got gashed. You play Navy it's, I mean, you need you need bodies. I think maybe um, let me pull up the number real quick. I, I was looking at it and I was just laughing before uh, <laughs> before we started uh, recording here. Uh, Navy ran for 434 yards. Um, Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin basically ran for 200 yards himself and uh, <laughs> caught caught his first two career receiving touchdowns. That's how good uh, things were going for the Bulls uh, to start off the season. Um, they were one in six. Uh, against teams where they allowed more than 200 yards rushing, it's that's just not gonna that's just not gonna fly uh, at, at any level. And the Bulls aren't talented enough to allow teams to kind of turn out the clock and you know get five six yards of pop and still try to win a game. So with that being said, one of the things we like to ask all of our guests on these is. You know, we are, we're trying to figure out what the story with USF is. And so what's like the one thing you're going to be watching in 2020? Like you're watching this and you know, if this happens or this is the case, then 2020 is going to be successful. Uh, yeah, I mentioned it earlier. Uh, pre-snap, pre-snap penalties. If, if 
just improve on that, improve on not making as many boneheaded decisions throughout the course of the year. I'm, I fully expect Texas versus USF to be a flag fest. I, I, <laughs> I don't anticipate it being the crispest game uh, ever. Uh, if that Dublin game happens with what Notre Dame and Navy or whoever, whoever's playing in, in Ireland, if that ever happens, that game's just going to be abysmal. Uh, it's probably <laughs> going to be raining uh, and it's, it's going to be awful. Um, but that's, that's what I anticipate. I think the the team you see September 5th against Texas is not going to be the same team. You see black Friday versus UCF. There's, I, I fully believe that this coaching staff, knows what they're going to have to do and it's not the goal is not to win six it's just to get better just get one percent better each day and it just build a good foundation for 2020 or for 2021 excuse me they're recruiting really well for 2021 right now um and i think that's kind of where we need to really focus and not take uh too much um from 2020 i, I like that that's uh that's you know, there, we used to have a drinking game a bit when there would be uh, out of kickoff delay of games, um, where you you know field the ball and you get a delay of game. It was a Charlie Charlie Strong specialty that you know uh, friends and I would um, text each other, you know, uh, or if we were you know at the game and, and couldn't drink immediately, we would tally so that we could take them when we got home. Um, but I mean, just just a. I, I understand your pain there, and I and I, I wish you uh, success in in not having those. It's nice my, when you when you. My favorite was the out of timeout delay of game. That was a yeah, finisher yeah. drink. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep, yep. Those, yep, those were good. Or the, or the uh, uh, defer both halves. But anyways, we're not here to talk about about honestly a good human being, Charlie Strong. Maybe um, still needs to work on some of his head coaching tendencies. But nonetheless, we have a tradition here on this podcast. Um, I think this year we're calling it the hooked em round um, where we bring our guests in. We've got you in this far and then we, 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 uh, we throw some things at you that we don't really prepare you for. Um, so we're just going to give you some, some rapid fire questions here. You just give us whatever's off the top of the dome. First, you were telling us before the show, you've been in Tampa for quite a long time. So we focus some of our questions on, uh, of course, the, the greater Tampa area that US, USF finds it in. So I'm going to start right off the bat with one that I think drives home the point of a couple things that are traditions for the Bulls there. If you had to choose between Gasparilla being canceled and UCF missing a bowl game, and you can only have one of those happen in that year, um, which one? So UCF uh, gets to, uh, gets to excuse me, uh, Gasparilla happens or UCF makes a bowl game. Which one are you, uh, are you absolutely, and I'm saying UCF, misses a bowl game. You can only pick one of those. Which is more favorable? Oh, absolutely, UCF uh, missing a bowl game. Uh, I'll take that <laughs> 18 times out of the day. Uh, it's, it's not even a question. Um, you know, if you had some of my other colleagues from the Daily Stampede on, it may be harder for them. Um, I know the guy I took the blog over for, uh, Colin Sherwin, is a huge Gasparilla nut. He throws a party every single year. He lives right by the uh, the parade route, so it could be a different uh, answer from him. But absolutely, uh, if, if UCF doesn't make a bowl game that year, I'll be ecstatic. <laughs> Fair enough. I love it. Okay, so um, one of the biggest stories in the Tampa area is Tom Bay. Tom Tom Bay. Tom Brady making his way <laughs> down, leaving leaving New England. I'm a Dolphins fan, so it makes me feel good. What is the most Florida thing you hope to see Tom Brady do in the next 12 months? <laughs> oh man, uh, most Florida thing. It's 
don't know, probably taking a, a scooter or, or something along up Bayshore, which is the longest, uh, you know, bike path in the Tampa Bay area and just bailing. Uh, I think that, I think that's a rite of passage for a lot of people <laughs> in South Tampa. Um, he's, he's living in Derek Jeter's house, which is real close to Bayshore. Um, yeah, I think uh, you've, you've got to, you've got to eat cement on Bayshore <laughs> on, a, on a scooter at least once in your life. As somebody who spent the better part of his adult life hating Tom Brady, totally cool with that. <laughs> a, a, a local uh, cuisine delicacy there, cement. Uh, but no, I, I bet he's wearing jorts uh, while he does it too. But okay, so here, we're t- speaking of traditions uh, in, in Tampa, um, I, I'm heard it is, uh, it is called Cigar City. Um, you know, and I, I'm a man who likes a good cigar. I understand that. Uh, you can only have one tradition survive for, for the city uh, of Tampa here. You either get to retain your title as Cigar City or the disputed title of inventor of the Cuban sandwich or the uh, much lauded uh, in at a time universal in the professional uh, game, the Tampa 2 defense. Only one tradition survives. Which one is it? Oh, man. Um Jeez, Louise. Uh, I mean, Monty Kiffin's my guy, but I don't know if I can. Have you guys ever had a Cuban from Tampa? I, I desperately need to. It's. I mean, I know you're a dog. Are you from Miami? No, not at all. My dad moved to America the year they went undefeated, and he's a front runner. So that's how we ended up. As oh. <laughs> okay, so uh, so your opinion on the Cuban doesn't really count. So, no. it's, man, that's. That's really tough. Uh, the Rays did a, a Cigar City uh, jersey um, a few years ago. That was really nice. Uh, I think of the Tampa Bay Sm- Tampa Smokers or something like that mm. is what they were called. Oh God! Um, you know what? I'll, I'll keep the Tampa too. Um, it's a Super Bowl win. I, you can't really without the Tampa two. You don't get a Super Bowl win. You don't get uh, Rondé Barber picking off Donovan McNabb and and running it back. You don't get. Uh, what five, five picks, four uh, pick sixes in the Super Bowl? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take that. It, it, it's hard to beat, but I will tell you. Oh God, a, a nice Cuban Cubano sandwich. I, I have had them in Miami and uh, Orlando as well. Never had one from Tampa though, so I feel like I'm doing myself a disservice. You are absolutely. Um, you need to go to Tampa to get the real thing. All right, uh, noted. There are a lot of places out here. Uh, West Tampa Sandwich Shop. You know, if you guys weren't so scared to come to Tampa, you, you would have been able to try it. Oh, man, that hurts me deep down. Uh, so <laughs> that last one, as, as we were doing research for this ridiculous segment uh, that we're closing with, we we looked up like a list of famous people from Tampa, and there was a ridiculous number of professional wrestlers on that list, uh, including, <laughs> including Hulk Hogan, which my personal opinions about Hulk Hogan aside. So Area. the question I have for you is, is which USF player is most likely to end up as a professional wrestler, and what will their finisher be called? Hmm, man. Um, I think KJ Sales, the corner from UNC, um, I think he'd be a really good, like, mouth of the south, like Jimmy Hart style. <laughs> uh, great, great talker. Oh, man. Um, great talk. There's a lot of former players that would be really good. There's a off- former offensive lineman uh, named Thor Josiak, who was actually, uh, I think he went to the performance center for some training. Um, but man, jeez. Uh, if if you want, you can extend it to to former players. That's that's fine. I mean, Thor for sure. Uh, there's a former basketball player uh, that is actually an NXT talent. Um, 
He's like he's a seven footer. Uh, I could I would butcher his last name um, for sure, but he he's pretty good. Um, uh, Terry uh, or you know Hulk Hogan is technically uh, he he was enrolled at USF for a, a while. So <laughs> I, I also have the mixed feelings um, with our, our our boy Terry there. Um, <laughs> you know Gallagher is also from USF. Give him the anvil, Nyhart. So. I mean, I, I couldn't. I couldn't just pin one. There, there's, there's been a lot over the last couple of years. Running back Darius Tice from a couple of years ago, and he was a talker, and he was a thick <laughs> running back. And I would not want to mess with him. I think. I don't know what his finisher would be called, but he'd be very, very good in the ring. I, I was wondering if you would go for the low hanging fruit of Eddie McDoom. Like that's a name already. Like, you don't have to change your name at all. <laughs> that's true. That that is true. Uh, yeah, I think he'd be pretty good. I think he'd be a high flyer for sure. A lot of five star frog splashes. Nice. Love it. Love it. Well, uh, that's thankfully all for, uh, for the interview, Nathan. Uh, if folks want to find you on the internet or get some more info about USF before the September fifth tilt, man, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me at Bulls Nathan SBN, um, and then uh, the house account uh, is at Stampede SBN. You can check us out at, at thedailystampede.com, and uh, you know, come hang out. We're not we're not the worst kind of people, I promise. Mo- uh, some of those are fellow Big Twelve SBN sites. It's fine. But they, Nathan, thank you so much <laughs> uh, for coming out today, man. It was an absolute blast. I appreciate you guys for having me. And, uh, you know, I look forward to uh, covering this game, you know, hopefully, hopefully in person. But, you know, I, with everything going on, I don't know if that's going to be feasible or uh, logical for me. Zoom football. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so now's the part of the show where we do the news dump. Can't say the sports that don't get any shine because it's basically going to be all football today. And we down the 40. So the biggest news this week is that Texas gained a commitment from one of the top punters in the 2021 class, Isaac Pearson of you'll probably be familiar with where he's out of pro kick Australia, continuing the pro kick connection for the Longhorns. Aussie to Austin. The pipeline is real. Uh, You know, the the only thing I'm a little bit concerned with, uh, I haven't ground any tape, um, but just from taking a quick cursory view of the 2021 uh, pro kick, I guess probably punting prospect, his name has no does not have any connotation to to dicker and kicker uh in it so you know we had dixon we had dicker the kicker we had buschewski which translates from australian to um dicker the kicker so i'm really trying to find uh find the connection here um because our glory years have obviously had uh, had that maybe he has a middle name we'll have to uh, get him on the podcast uh to find out but no i i'm excited the um 2014 NCAA football uh, reboot. If it ever gets to a next chapter, they better have uh, Australia as a place to recruit from, so that UT can just sink an anchor as a as a recruiting pipeline because it's a real thing now. It absolutely is. Like I feel like the valedictorian every four years just ends like whoever, whoever graduates top of their class from pro kick Australia just ends up in Austin, which is not a bad prize. Like I'll be real. Like it's, it's not a bad prize. So um, he's a 2021 prospect, which we were talking before the show. Like it's interesting that they're going to bring in a 2021 
punter with Bushevsky having two years of eligibility, but I think it's smart to, this is going to sound like the dumbest thing in the world, but to give your punter a redshirt year to acclimate to the speed of the game. Cause we saw it in Bushevsky's freshman year where he had a struggle in the, I actually did a bunch of data analytics on this. I wrote an article about it, uh, but Bushevsky like had a massive jump basically week six of year one. And so getting him in a year early is probably isn't a bad thing. Even even Dixon, who I called on this podcast, fumbles McShrimp on the Barbie for his uh, his uh, mishandling of a snap that that was one of the reasons we lost to Oklahoma State early in his career. He obviously went and redeemed himself uh, a million fold, but uh, you know uh, it, it is it is uh, it's true. There is a change. You can be a an Australian uh, punter and, and kick the ball good, but there's a couple other things that you have to do even as a punter in the game of football that take a little bit of time to get to, to, to up to speed. Absolutely. So uh, we're big analytics fans and so are the folks over at Pro Football Focus. And uh, they did a uh, like analysis of all they do. They grade every player. They grind a lot of tape. Hashtag grind the tape. Uh, But Texas is the only power five offense with two returning offensive linemen with 85 per like an 85 or above Pass blocking grade. Sam Cosme came in at an 86. Derek Kerstetter at a 91. Big, uh, big news for an offense that will be predicated probably on how well the offensive line performs. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you take that Oklahoma or that OU game where the the line just you know between LSU exposing some things and then OU just uh, you know hitting hitting repeat on it on on those twist stunts um, that gave us some trouble. But really, edge rushers um, they they did pretty well both of these guys in the in the pass blocking game obviously getting those uh those grades there is um a lot of talk in the offensive line is very much a unit in flux position fluid i'll say right now in this uncertain time that is an uncertain unit but uh, it's it's quite likely that Kerstetter could uh, take some snaps or maybe even move full time to that center position so this wouldn't necessarily be the the uh, the stat that it is but right now they're both listed as tackles and looking at last year and who came back they're the only two so i'm going to take it and i'm going to toot our horn toot toot beep beep way to go longhorns uh zero sacks for 2020 oh for the entire season okay <laughs> I, feel, I just feel like there won't be a nine sack game this year i feel like that's a better bar to set Zero sacks for 2020 would probably be predicated on a COVID erased season uh, for any team in the country. I think even Navy probably had a sack and they threw the ball like eight times last year. But uh, but yeah, very low, very low number of sacks. Absolutely. So with uh, with that, Sam Cosme getting some love. Todd McShay, uh, who's who finally thankfully recovered from uh, COVID, uh, has Sam Cosme as a top 10 2020 prospect there are uh differing opinions on it but todd mcshay is one of the ones that has cosme as a must-have player yeah i uh i mean you, you just look at the the stat we just gave right he's one of the best pass blocking tackles he's he's got the all the tools um it's, i mean i think you and i have said that he he may have had an even better uh freshman year than he did his his sophomore year it was good but you know uh, let's see if he has the junior year back on the curve where he's uh you know on the upswing and he's improved on both of those very good seasons then then certainly i can see why you know tackles are uh are you know big money high draft pick you know it's it's a pretty it's a pretty proven commodity if you're really good blindside pass blocking tackle that you can uh, you can make yourself uh, some real good money and maybe a, an even decent sandra bullock film 
I wouldn't call that film decent. <laughs> I there I that's one a bad film and two Michael Orr doesn't like it. So uh, it's zero for two in my book. Uh, junior right-handed pitcher Bryce Elder uh, got second team All American recognition in the COVID shortened season. A three and one record with a two oh eight ERA, thirty two strikeouts in twenty six innings pitched. Yeah, I mean, he was he was uh, only trending upward. It would have been, I mean, congratulations to him, first of all. It's a weird season, obviously. They were just uh, getting rolling. But uh, he made four quality starts uh, in this season and extended his streak of quality starts to eight going back to the end of the 2019 season. So um, Elder, definitely a guy to watch uh, for next season when, when Texas baseball gets going again. Absolutely. Uh, Andrew Jones got an award himself named the Big 12 Male Sports Person of the Year. Big ups to uh, a guy who has brought me to tears on multiple occasions. Seriously, man. Just the, the everything he does, I root for him. It doesn't matter. But uh, the player, the the obviously the, the battle and beating of cancer, and then just coming back and, and just being a key part of the team, a, a whatever you need him to do, he can come off the bench, he can start um, just transitioning into that next phase of life and, and uh, really putting together you know a, a good year and just being obviously a great person off the court. Um, thrilled that he, he was recognized for it with this award. Absolutely well deserved. And then finally, a guy who uh, we can't stop talking about, even though he's he's I'm gonna be, he's like that ex that you like, <laughs> not that you never forget, but the ex that you're like, I hope they're doing good. Right. Yeah. They're, they're the one where it's like it wasn't it wasn't anything wasn't a bad person. It was just not meant to be yeah. Shane Bouchelle. Named the cover athlete for the 2020 Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine. A massive honor for a guy who we still love for what he did uh, as a freshman and then as a uh, like redshirt junior backing up um, backing up Sam Ellinger uh, coming in and winning a couple games for Texas. Yeah, another guy who showed a lot of character in, in his ability to do that, not whine, just kind of give when the team needed him rise to the occasion, I think. Because of that is the reason that you talk about it's the amicable breakup is the reason that Longhorn fans uh, continue to root for this kid um, for the rest of his career. I mean, he'll always be a Longhorn um, and, uh, you know, showed to be just the the right kind of good guy. So uh, kudos to him. Great to see. Absolutely well deserved. Now, with that, we come to the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college athletics, Big Bertha, and we bang the drum. Brought to you by Joe Ruiz. So, Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? Well, so uh, there was a a tweet, I believe, um, last week. I saw it from Brian Carrington. It may have been out there uh, before from uh, someone else. But uh, Carrington brought it to to my attention on my Twitter feed. Um, But basically, it looked at the potential as the the new um, name in it name image and likeness uh kind of um rules have been passed been rolled out they looked at what this could look like in the future um and there was a list of i believe it was as of may 25th uh so last week but potential annual earnings for select college student athletes on social media um and the list is 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 eye-popping right they 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 list um the criteria a little interestingly it's it says twitter plus instagram followers value per post and potential earnings and carrington kind of broke out a little bit um, more of of what was on there but just first of all if you didn't see it there is one player 
at the very top of this list, named one Sam Ellinger, um, with potential earnings of just shy of a million dollars. That's nine hundred and sixty-two thousand dollars, which is nuts. Um, the next person on this particular list, I don't know if the, if this is entirely across all sports, everyone. They they have uh, multiple people included in here if they just took samples, but Jamar Chase. Uh, from LSU was at two hundred sixty-three thousand. Uh, Trey Jones, a you know basketball player from Duke, at two hundred fifty thousand. So there's a pretty big gap in in what Sam Ellinger at the head of this list uh, could earn. You know, being QB at, at UT comes with a ton of pressure, but also um, a, a ton of shimoleons, I guess. That's uh, been watching the Sopranos. Uh, that's uh, that's pretty incredible number. And and Carrington went you know to to kind of further explain. Don't be fooled. It's not just your your social media. Uh, followers it's a part of a formula um you know that includes market size city population market demand television exposure growth potential competitive landscape all of these things um and then he included you know some uh, some things that the graphics that the media department uh text athletics social media had put out um you know about Austin, texas voted number one city to live in uh by u.s news and world report most populous in the country uh, without a pro sports team, uh, South by Southwest, ACL, Dell being their third fastest growing city in the U.S., um, you know, Business Insiders, number one city, basically all of these things that we all know and love and kind of try to keep secret, honestly, um, about uh, about uh, Austin, including being named the best college town uh, in America by multiple publications, uh, really are what lead to that. It is a part of what starts here changes the world, but also changes the city, the state. It, it is plugs you in it is austin is is connected austin is uh this thriving metropolis right next to three of the largest cities three of the top 10 largest cities in the country in san antonio dallas and houston so um i just think it's amazing i think it's cool i think it's for brian carrington to really kind of see that and to think about how they're going to take that and package it and market it to recruits could be an, an incredible incredible selling boost for future recruiting um and just uh, again i mean goes to show why we uh, are very arrogant about how much we love our school but right there we'll tell you not only is it a great sports school an incredible academic school it has the whole city state connections it is just the best truly college in the entire world there is a lot to be said about the brand of University of Texas uh and what what it can do for even guys um who don't like make it big, like still have pretty decent followings, right? Guys that don't make it to the league still pick up a decent uh, social media following, which can lead to some business opportunities and some advertising opportunities and uh, things like that. So I'm banging the drum this week on something that's near and dear to my heart. I, I don't know if all of our listeners know this about me. If you don't follow me on, on Twitter, you may not know this, but I am a, uh, I'm a black man. And there is a lot of, uh, a lot of things. There are a lot of things happening in the world today. Currently uh, in the last month we've seen, footage of of two two men that that were killed and it's caused a lot of unrest it's caused a lot of uh, anger and frustration and confusion and uh there are some student athletes from the university of texas that are sharing their feelings uh in some often really eloquent ways on social media and i i applaud them for doing so we generally try to steer away from controversy on this podcast but i'm going to be really honest with you if you think 
saying racism is bad is controversial, then I, I don't have any other words for you. If racism is bad is too controversial of a take for you, then maybe this isn't the show for you. Like, I'm just going to be real honest with you because racism is bad. And, and I'll say it every day of the week and twice on Sundays. Actually, we should say it more on Sundays. That's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> um, but like jumping into student athletes mentions when they're expressing genuine grief and confusion and trying to trying to make sense of what is kind of probably a scary situation for a lot of them um, because they are a lot of them large African-American males and they're the ones that generally end up being uh, hurt and worse in these videos we see on social media. Jumping in their mentions and saying don't get political or stick to basketball, like that that to me shows a lot about who you are and I'm sorry to, to say it and this is not normally how this goes for uh, our podcast, but that, that just, that shows me enough and, and if that causes you to tune out or causes you to think differently about an athlete, I'm cool with it. I'm totally fine with it completely 100%. Uh, thank you for listening this far. Uh, it's been incredible, and hopefully you find something that works better for you. Yeah, there's the, the, the uh, <laughs> you, you can't say any better than that. That's uh, that's fantastic, Gerald. And being in Houston, I don't know if a lot of people realize this, obviously, because George Floyd was, was murdered um, in, in Minneapolis, but he has ties to Houston. He's going to be buried in Houston. He spent a lot of his life in Houston, played, um, went to Yates High School, which is one of the best basketball schools uh, in the state, certainly. But um, Inner, inner city Houston. Um, actually, my, my wife told me that he, uh, he used to volunteer at, at her um, church, you know, so they, they were having uh, ceremonies at her old, you know, church that she grew up going to as a child um, for him. It just, it has a, a personal connection here in the city of Houston. It's, it's, it's very real. Um, it, it, it is, uh, it is not just one story. Um, it is, it is the story that has sparked, um, you know, uh, outspokenness and, 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 and a crying out. And, uh, you know, I, I hope everyone takes a minute just to reflect on, on what Gerald said and, and just on the conversation that's going on wider in this country right now. We're a sports podcast. And so, um, you know, maybe they'll tell us to stick to sports, but, uh, if there ever, there is a time not to stick to sports, um, and to, uh, to, to, Make sure that every person who has a voice takes the opportunity to use that voice to say something, um, even if it's the most menial thing. Racism is bad. The most simple baseline statement that could never be controversial and no one could ever disagree with. Um, everyone should lift up their voices, every platform you have, and make sure that everyone is saying that same thing and having the same conversation. I just want to say I love you, Gerald. Um, all our listeners who, who've been deeply and personally uh, affected by this um, know that, that you have a lot of people out there just crying out and, and, and pouring um, love and, and brokenheartedness in, in hopes that we have a, a healed and full heart um, or closer to it on the other side of this. So um, I appreciate you saying saying something and speaking out. I know it's never um, never an easy thing to do, but uh, but not to end on a somber note. But uh, we're all in this together. And on the flip side of that, for those of you that are doing anything to to make this uh, make the world a better place, to reach out to people who are different than you and perhaps um, bridge a gap and and. Um, help it's it's healing's going to take a long time for a lot of people but uh, a simple I love you how are you doing to somebody who's grieving and hurting goes a long way and so for those of you that are doing that uh, my sincerest thank you I, some of my some of the most meaningful moments of my last few weeks have been uh, just friends saying hey man I know you're going through it I love you let me know if you need to talk 
So for all of you that are doing those types of things, thank you for doing that. Uh, and thank you for being a part of a, of a community of, of listeners and, and people that we interact with online. That That is fun. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to uh, stick to sports uh, moving forward. Well, that's all we've got for you this week. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the Internet? Oh, you can find me on Twitter at Kyle Carboni. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at GH Goodrich. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook em. Hook em. <laughs>